Welcome, everyone. You are listening to JOY, a podcast from St. Margaret's Episcopal Church in Little Rock, Arkansas. I am the Reverend Mary Vano, and today I'm very excited to welcome the Reverend Dr. George Parks. Dr. Parks is the senior pastor of New Hope Baptist Church in North Little Rock and Conway, where he is known as a gifted preacher and wonderful Christian leader. He is also my next door neighbor and friend. George, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Reverend Mary. Thank you so much for having us. It's a delight. Well, I want to begin by getting to know a little bit more about you. If you don't mind, let's start with you telling us a little bit about your journey and how God has led you to where you are today. I'm happy to do that. Uh, George Parks, born in Nashville, Tennessee in 1983 to my parents. My father was completing college at American Baptist College. I grew up in between Dayton, Ohio and Cleveland, Ohio. My father pastored a church in Dayton for 10 years, and now he's been in Cleveland for nearly 28 years. Went to college in Nashville, Tennessee, American Baptist College, then on to Howard Divinity in Washington, D.C. And after I graduated from Howard Divinity, I served the Riverside Missionary Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee for six and a half years. And then now here in Little Rock and Conway, Arkansas, grateful. Uh, I'm married to Joy Marie Daly from San Antonio, Texas, and we have four children that is full of energy that's always sometimes in your driveway <laughs> and yes. we thank God for your family for being so kind to our energetic children <laughs> <laughs> well we love your family and we love being your next door neighbors i appreciate that you were sometimes brave enough to place your children in the care of my teenager <laughs> but i think they have fun together you know, you and I also share in common that we are both PKs. You know That's that right. terminology? <laughs> We're right. both pastors' kids grow, growing up in the church, and I guess we turned out all right. <laughs> you turned out okay. I'm, I'm a little iffy, but I'm glad. I don't know. I don't know. I bet your dad's really proud. So I read something about you, and that is that when you were in divinity school, one of your sermons was published in the African-American Pulpit Journal. That's a great honor. The sermon was titled Black and Proud. Can you tell us about that sermon? Many moons ago. <laughs> uh -huh. <laughs> Do you remember any of it? <laughs> I think a little bit. It's a sermon based on the Song of Solomon. Uh -huh. Oftentimes, it's this love exchange. And this queen says, I'm black and beautiful. Now, oftentimes when we read it in English translations, it's but. And that, that kind of qualifier. But when we read in the original language, it's together. Yes. And he says, I've been made from the tents of Kedar. And oftentimes when we look at that, those were the royal curtains from the palace. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes in America, African-Americans have kind of diminished their worth. And it was simply a sermon of encouragement, sharing that black is beautiful. First of all, all humanity, all of us who've been made in the image of God is beautiful, but especially those who are black and brown, who are often been forced to live on the margins of society, need that type of encouragement. And it's in the Bible. I take time to read Song of Solomon. I forgot exactly what chapter, but it's this exchange between the queen and the king. And it's a wonderful love story. It is a wonderful love story. And you just educated me. I, I, I did not know about that part and the black and beautiful. And that is lovely. And what you say is so true that we are all made in God's image. Absolutely. We are all made in God's image and therefore beloved and uh, worthy to be loved and respected and honored by all. 
Racism seems to be America's ever-present sin. And George Floyd is our most recent victim, sparking outrage that has overflowed into protests and riots around our nation. From your perspective, what is a Christian response to such sin, to racism? I think a Christian response is, first of all, we have to be willing to name it. Racism comes in all forms. Racism comes in the form of officer putting his knee on his neck. Mm -hmm. It also comes in the form of young boy Emmett Till being lynched. Mm -hmm. It also comes in the form of legislation. It comes in the form of when there are food deserts in urban Arkansas where we are known for all of what we grow, but these food deserts are oftentimes in black and brown communities. And we're blessed to live where we live, Mary. Mm -hmm. We don't have any shortage of, of good quality food. No. But right where my church, our North Little Rock campus, oftentimes people equate going to the family dollar to the grocery store. Oh. So just because there's food there doesn't mean there's quality food there. And I the nearest care. grocery store, they can control the prices. That All of those things directly impact. So racism comes in the form of a KKK member mm -hmm. with a white sheet, but it can also come in the form of a person in a Brooks Brothers suit that will not create laws that are equitable. Yes. So you said our Christian response is to start with naming it and being willing to see, I think, all these forms of racism that exist in our community. Beyond naming it, what, what do you think is next? Do we, do we write our legislators? Or? Realizing privilege. Mm -hmm. Sometimes mm -hmm. majority culture does not realize how privileged they are. Mm -hmm. And some of the things that are said and realizing, oh, I, I am privileged. So it's hard for me to empathize and put myself in the position of others. Mm -hmm. But then also, I think another great, great way how we work through racism is this, that majority culture pulpits have to stand up and preach about this vicious nature of racism. And it's mm -hmm. biblical. We see it in Exodus. I saw it yesterday, I think, around Exodus 22, where we see the first parts of social justice. You can't read James mm -hmm. and not be convicted. We have to make sure that our Christianity is just not this vertical beam, us to God. But what mm -hmm. about the horizontal? So what God has done for me through Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, also should impact how I treat those around me. And then part of it is sometimes people are so isolated, they are indifferent. Some is ignorance mm -hmm. in the truest sense of the word, mm -hmm. and then some is just indifferent. So Jesus told us to love God with all our heart and soul and strength and mind and to love our neighbors as ourselves. And that love, what I hear you saying is that love is an act of kindness and joy to one another. It's, it's not just sort of having nice feelings about people around and, us. It's also... It's not charity. It's not charity. It's justice. Yes. <laughs> so it's recognizing the needs of our neighbors and doing what we can to serve one another. It's also being willing to see what's going on and talk about it. It's also, as you say, I have a responsibility to preach about it. 
when that word is appropriate. And I think all of us in our church can do our part to write our legislators, to be active in our communities, to find those needs and seek to serve them. Absolutely. mentioned several scripture verses and it reminded me that when I was in college, that was the time where I was really beginning to discern pretty deeply that God was calling me to ordained ministry. I had lots of questions and feelings about that, as I'm sure you've experienced as well. And in my upbringing, I had never, I had always in the Episcopal Church uh, known that as a woman, I could be ordained. That was the the teaching that I had grown up with. But God likes to challenge us sometimes. And God took me to Fort Worth, Texas for college. I went to TCU. Um, (laughs) And in that place, it was one of the only places in the Episcopal Church at the time where the bishop did not support the ordination of women. So it was like the only place, only almost the only place in the United States I could have been where I actually could not have been ordained. And it caused me to look deeper into scripture. It caused me to look more deeply into the history of the church and my understanding of the gospel. And it definitely caused me to search the depths of my soul and my relationship with God and what God was calling me to do. Anyway, I came to love uh, Galatians 3.28 in that experience, which says there's neither Jew nor Greek, there's neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And what I took from that was that Paul seems to be saying that our many differences are not dividing us. They should not divide us. Our greater calling is to be united by our faith in Christ with love for one another. So this is a verse that gives me some direction about where we're supposed to go as people of faith. And I wonder what other scripture verses have been really important to your life. My overall Christian journey has been Jeremiah 29 and 11. Mm -hmm. I know the thoughts that I think towards you, they're thoughts of good and not of evil to bring you to an expected end, to give you a future and a hope. And that scripture means a lot more to me contextually. Many people quote that scripture, but you have to realize mm-hmm. I was writing these letters to these exiles who they were they would be there for an extended amount of time. So as a Christian and as a believer who is unapologetically African-American and Black, that scripture speaks to me even while we kind of wait in the waiting room for justice and peace. I hold on to that, that God knows the thoughts that he thinks toward me. And the, and those thoughts are good, even when the systems that seek to oppress. That doesn't mean for me to sit on my laws or sit on my hands and not to do anything. But oftentimes that inspires me to continue to do the work and to do the work of justice. You know, I think that's so important to hold on to God's love for us. Paul also said, when Christ is for us, who can be against us? Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, one thing that we can do as we talk about race is to choose not to see the other as an enemy. 
our baptismal covenant in the Episcopal Church asks us to seek and serve Christ in all persons, and that starts with being willing to see God in the other. Absolutely. And if we can believe and trust that God loves us, that God thinks good for us, then we should also be willing to believe and trust that God loves the other and seeks good for the other. And in a sense, we we can all be on the same team if we're willing to work across these divides to have the difficult conversations. Mm-hmm. And after we have to also remember, too, we live in such a divisive world. If we look at that biblically, that's exactly correct, Pastor. Mm-hmm. But the shame and the other sin of America is we've used the Bible and Christianity to push our politics. We have. I know that's taboo, but we've done it in the name of the Lord. And oftentimes what we push, Christ and God has nothing to do with. That's been a convenient tool for us to use to push our agenda. And we've done it in the name of the Lord, which is dangerous. Sinful to push our own agenda and claim that it's God's. These are hard conversations to have, I think. Where do you find hope in all of this? I find hope in the spirit of the Lord. This past Sunday was Pentecost Sunday. That the Lord, oftentimes we look at that Acts 2, but that the Johannine Pentecost, Mm -hmm. that those individuals received the spirit kind of in a pandemic. Pentecost and pandemic, if you will. They were locked behind, closed doors, frightened, and oftentimes Mm -hmm. the spirit comes to us between our fears and the things that frighten us, our fearful inclinations and our frustrations about our present. And the Lord comes to them, shows his hands, and he says, hey, as I was sent into the world, I'm sending you. Yes. And that's the whole work of the Holy Spirit just is not a treasure to behold, but it is a God stimulus, if you will, to be expended out into the world. Right. So that, I think I, I take great hope in that, that God's power of spirit is still readily available. And uh, it may manifest itself in some different and unique ways, but I believe God's spirit is still at work. Absolutely. The spirit comes to us to calm our fears and to send us out to continue to share the good news that we've been given, the peace and the comfort, the love, the justice, the mercy that is ours to use to change the world. Absolutely. Mm. I bet that was a good Pentecost sermon, George. Nice. (laughs) I'll try to do something with it Sunday, so. Good, good. So is there anything else that you want to tell us at St. Margaret's or any, uh, anyone else who is listening today? I would encourage anyone to take time, have a conversation with a African-American person or brown mm-hmm. individual, Latino, Native American, mm-hmm. to ask them how has life actually been for them? What are their experiences? Mm-hmm. And I think Individuals will come to be informed in a new and fresh way that even what you think you see on the news, what it is to be a black and brown person in America is something totally different. I'll I, I give you this, Mary. The, you know the neighborhood we live in. 
wonderful neighborhood, safe neighborhood. And many times I take morning walks and I wear a hoodie. Mm-hmm. One of the greatest fears I have as a homeowner in the community is that someone would mistake me as being a criminal. Now, that has nothing to do with me, but it's the images that people have. So I can be a block away from my house, and I'm just fearful at times to walk around. So mm-hmm. instead of me walking at four mm-hmm. when it's still dark, I wait till the sun comes up. So I'm readily identifiable, but someone three blocks over can easily misidentify me. Mm-hmm. You know, I do see you out walking. You know, I'm often out walking myself. And, you know, George, I've thought of that too. I've worried for you at times. I want you to know that I'm walking with you. Even if we're not right next to each other, I'm walking with you. Appreciate that. That means the world. Thank you. Racism really is often hard to discuss. I believe it's vital for us to talk about it. And I thank you for being my partner today. Just a blessing to my life to have y'all as my neighbors, to have this relationship in which we can share our ministry, our sermon ideas, our reading lists, <laughs> and to just to be able to have a safe place to have this conversation. Absolutely. So I agree with what we said before. Acknowledging our sin of racism is our first step. This is how we can bring it into God's light. This is our path toward the gift of light and healing and wisdom and grace that God wishes to shine upon us in this darkness. Absolutely. So thank you, George, for being here to have this conversation. Our time is up. And as I like to say, our joy is complete. Thank you for spending this time with us today. And as a reminder to all of our listeners, please do send in your questions, comments, and ideas. We hope you will join us again next time because it wouldn't be J-O-Y without you. is a production of St. Margaret's Episcopal Church in Little Rock, Arkansas. Thanks to Stephen Vano, who composed and performed our theme music, and to Heidi Soule, our producer.